Hey, everybody. Welcome to the American Foundation for the Blind podcast. We're so excited to have you here as always. And we have a fun guest today. And we were just chatting prior and the word magical just keeps coming up. And I'm so excited about it. We have with us our fabulous Clark Reynolds. Now, Clark is in the UK and is a blind artist. And I just enjoy our conversation so much. So, Clark, thank you so much for being here. No, my, my pleasure. I say uh, my friends across the States have been so welcome to what I do. My, 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 my sight loss struggles have been made so much easier by the, the, the amount of happiness I get from talking to you. Oh, I love it so much. And you are so happy. And well, I want everybody to hear just about how fabulous your art is. And I've been dying to ask you this question like all day. And I'm never, ever going to be able to open up another question like this. Let's talk about your Braille suit. Oh, that was fun. (laughs) Well, yes. So I'm, like I say, I'm I'm a blind artist, but I'm known now as the blind Braille artist. Oh. And, um. So a couple of weeks ago, literally a month ago, uh, my, a couple of my friends who were quite influential, they they said, what would you like to do? And I said, I've always wanted to do a Braille trail. And they said, oh, we can make that happen. And they made it happen at a music festival called Victorious. Ooh. So can you imagine 50,000 people just going there for music? And I thought, what would be great to highlight a Braille trail? A Braille suit. Yeah. So I, I, I made a Braille suit. Literally, it's... Um, so black and yellow is my thing. Uh, you know, it's a great colour for sight impaired. So my suit is literally the brightest yellow you can get. And then my partner ironed on the letters, the ones you buy from any shop. And then I've got some Velcro dots and stuck them on. So they're tactile. So literally my suit is a tactile. I'm living art, my living braille art suit. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you said Victorious was the, the music show you went to? Yeah, yeah. So, so you were a, literally the victorious, right on the victorious Braille walk, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally, people, you know, it was great because it made it, you know, lots of kids there because they, they had a kids um, thing. And that's where I was based mostly because it was the idea was giving out, giving out the, the map to the Braille trail, which went right around the festival. And it was uh, words, um, but each letter is about victorious. So you find a V, but the words above it, were inspirational words, so V for vision, I for wow. inclusion, uh, and and T for tenacious. So, and it was in my color coded braille, so you people could decode it through my key. But blind people can go up and physically touch it. And oh my god, I met the most amazing girl. So fifty thousand people. I was having a discussion with uh, someone, and the dad turned around and said, "Can my daughter touch your suit?" And I said, "Of course." Um, so uh, she was about five years old. I got on my, on my knees and I was, uh, we were just chatting. And the dad asked the girl, girl the name was Etta. And she said, what, Etta, why do you want to touch this man's suit? And she turned around and said, because I'm blind. Oh, Aww. and we just had the amazing conversation. She felt my suit. She was just learning Braille. We talked, she wanted to know about my stick. And then we chatted about the, the trial that was meant for people like her to experience something in the visual world. And, and she made the festival, you know, no matter how many people I talked to that day, she she made it for me. Oh, Clark, that's awesome. And the fact that you just, I love your energy and you're like, I want to do this. We're doing this. And you created this magical experience. That is awesome. That is so great. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get, that is a great, I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. It, it, <laughs> it was great. And, you know, as a blind adult, we don't, our worlds don't 
don't collide, do we? We don't collide with, with uh, very young blind children. So she was the youngest blind child that I've met. And I want to do more of that. I want to be a role model for not just the blind child, but for the, for the parents to show them that they don't have to put their anxiety onto their children. Oh my God, my child's blind. What can, what can be done? You know, there's so many inspirational people out there. There's just, there's not enough role models. So I want to be a role model for, for that young generation going up saying they can, no matter what their dreams are, they can, they can live that dream. Yes. Well, I can say that you're a role model for everybody, but I, just with even with that story right there, I think it teaches all of us that we need to uh, find what we want to do and be role models for everyone. So that I love that so much. And that little girl, that is going to be the best highlight. And I'm sure she's going to take over the world with goodness. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I met her again on the second day and I met her, her mom and her sister as well. And I, I've, I've given her one of my, so her dad's going to pick up one of my art pieces that I created a couple of years ago. Why I used the word, I used fluffy fabric and I spelled the word stroke. So you physically have to stroke the piece to, mm-hmm. and it reads out stroke. So she's going to have that in her room. Oh, nice. I love it. Well, you know, I want to go back to a couple of things. People like when you talked about your color theory and, and these drops, people, I want people to understand what that means. So can we talk about, go back just a little bit and talk about, you know, your, your little bit on your sight loss journey and how you came to where you are now and your color theory and how you match it with braille and what your yeah. art is all about Let, thank you so much that's okay so for me i always wanted to be an artist from the age of six uh blind in one eye from the age of six didn't bother me went through life got a degree in art was a dental model maker and then 10 years ago um started listening to sight mouth row but i've always had art in my life so it was like, well, I'll, I'll just put all my effort into art. And I was exploring art, how to get back into it visually. And then a couple of years ago, literally two and a half years ago, I learned Braille. And it was the biggest light bulb in my moment, like in my head, because I've always said to people, I see for a thousand dots. And now those dots mean something. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm like a modern day typographer, just that I used a dot instead of a letter. So I have more power. And... So I did, I was working with Braille and people know Braille, but they don't know Braille. And when you blow up the dot, it's not meant to be seen. So it becomes very confusing for the brain. So I was thinking, how can I make it simpler for people with sight to learn Braille? Because then if they learn Braille, then it could be integrated to society more. So I came up with colour theory. So just how you you go about, you learn what McDonald's are, you learn what Mars bar are, because the brain works it knows patterns. It doesn't see an M. It sees a pattern. It sees a yellow. So I looked at how letters appear in words, the commonality, like E-R-S-T-I-N-G, and used, like how a painter paints a landscape or a portrait, you use colour theory. So you use complementary colours and use shades of colours. So when you see my artwork, for instance, E is orange and R is blue. So you complementary colours. And E-R is a, is a common word you find in the, in the English language. Mm-hmm. So there's 26 colours and it took me a month to figure that out. So when you see my artwork, a sighted person, they can decode it through a key, which will happen at my exhibition in June. But a blind person, if they know Braille, can come along and physically touch my art. It's just words and experience the art just like a sighted person. And that's the beauty of my decoding Braille, colour coded visual art Braille. I love it. And golly. <clears throat> like being able to do those colors together, it must like, you know, putting those 
having that mixture together just makes sound so vivid and bright and fun, just like you are. <laughs> it is, and, and people say, and people say to me because you know anyone could do any colours, but it, you know it's not random. I did, you know, it took me. You know, there's so many layers to my work. It's not just oh, I put a dot on a piece of thing and it's the right. braille. I thought about it, you know, and it's not just the colour now. So I've been. I've been exploring different ways of expressing the dots. So there's an exhibition coming up at Moorfields Eye Hospital, the big one in London, and it's called Windows to Our Souls. And I've written a poem in, uh, in, uh, and I've translated it in Braille and the poem is called To See. And what I've done is I've used reflective Braille. So the idea is sighted people will see their reflection, but and it, because it's to do with seeing, see, to see. And that's why I've been taking the English language and using a Braille dot to host that language. Wow, that's amazing. You know, when we first met, you were really, you know, getting your artwork out there, working with um, some different mediums. Can you talk to us about like different mediums that you do your work on? Yeah, so I started off with fabrics, um, because it was a a way of getting back into art, the nature of touching something. So I work with buttons. Buttons are great. I mean, buttons, that's what taught me Braille in the first place. I did a piece called My Rosetta Stone. Uh, basically, it was buttons in Braille, the A to Z. And I learned Braille in three weeks just by doing the buttons. So, yeah. it, you know, for me, it, it kind of transcended. And it was like, well, now I use these um, wooden discs that I paint up. I get them specially made for me. And I've been exploring the size of the disc. Uh, I do collage. Um, now I've got my first professional studio that I've waited 20 years for. So I've got that is seat. so awesome. Uh, it's amazing. So now I'm going to explore, obviously my degree was in model making. So I'm going to explore resins. I'm going to explore concrete. I want to go big. I want to make up these braille dots that I make in the public eye. So it's public art, you know. So when you go to a park or you know, on a graffiti on the side of the wall, that graffiti could be my graffiti, but you touch it, you know, and that's where, yeah. where my art's going to lead me to. That is incredible. I love your dreams. I was going to ask what's next, but now we're going there. I love it. (laughs) You know, and I have to say too, uh, the story that you have, I mean, you you know, you have, you're a father yourself and I, could you share with us your story with your daughter and the cow? Another fun one. Yeah. So so, uh, my daughter's, uh, her name is Dakota Rain. So very American name. Um, and she's seven. She's got mild cerebral palsy. So I'm kind of like a, a role model for her as well to show no matter your disability, you can achieve your dreams. And when I was growing up, when I was uh, about five or five, I came across this painting by Franz Marc called The Yellow Cow. Now, when you're a child, your, your uh, imagination of a cow is when you draw a cow, it, it's, it's white with uh, black spots or black with white spots. You know, that's a, that's a mm. cow is. But when I, I saw this painted, and it was a, called The Yellow Cow, this bright yellow cow with purple splotches. And it blew my mind away because that young, that young age was like, yeah. a cow could be yellow? Yeah. My God. <laughs> you know? And, and um, so during lockdown, my daughter actually painted The Yellow Cow uh, during lockdown. So we, we were doing the Masters. So she actually painted that painting. And it was a, and it, I, I, you know, it's a great story. And, I know the painting is in New York, so hopefully when I come to America in March and we do this documentary with uh, the Mighty Bee Fox, that we'll go to the gallery and actually I can actually physically see the, the yellow cow in person. Oh, wow. I would love for you to see that. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> and you need to wear your suit. Yes, of course. Yes. I, I, yeah, my, my, <laughs> suit, my suit is going to... 
I want to make a range of them. So I've obviously got the yellow and black, but I'd like to make a range of different coloured suits, different coloured spots. Uh, and also the idea, I've got an idea of a TV programme uh, where, it back, you know, where I become this kind of uh, artist that lives in a braille room, like a round room, and I think he's got braille on. And I use my suit and I take the dot off my suit and it becomes a magic suit. And we jump into that dot and then we go and meet an inspirational, visually impaired person. It could be a, a chef, it could be a rock climber, it could be an artist. And we have a chat and then at the end of that episode, I create an artwork of Braille inspired by, by the person that I've met. And I thought it'd be a great show to do. That would be, that, talking about jumping into imagination for sure. And in an inclusive way. Which I really think, you know, Clark, as you're talking about this and I'm listening to you is that I don't think we're, you know, there's not, you talk about, you know, our children and, and bringing them up, but also too, by having this inclusion and other people learning about Braille, it kind of opens up their minds to different possibilities. Can you speak to maybe people that are sighted that have seen your art and what they learned from it? Oh, great. So the first question I always ask is, what, what is Braille? And so I, I really do simplify. I say, well, you know what a domino is. So in that six dot cell is your alphabet, your modern language, your hashtags. And that, that, that's the first thing I go, oh, and then all I always say, this is key. The negative space is as important as the positive space. So they, get, they always get confused with A, B, K and L. Because mm -hmm. obviously, you know, those letters are the ones that have the, the dots on just one side. Right. And so when they're trying to do it, so I do workshops with my color coded brow and you're always, they always put the A in and then they put the next letter straight over it. And I always say to them, no, it has to have a gap. It's, right. it's key. So that, you know, that's, that's my tip to people that are cited about Braille is, is the negative space is as important as the positive. No, that's totally true. Because if it's too close together, not going to work. <laughs> but when, when, when they, people do experience it and they get to see it and learn Braille, now you talked about the brain picking up patterns, and uh, which is so true, and, and how you learned how to read Braille with buttons. When you put those patterns together and, and people, like they're, you're watching them have it kind of come to life that can see, do they, I mean, do they? The response that you get from that do they can they then they, understand they, it? yeah they love it because i think children love it because it's it's kind of like a code right you know braille is a code so when you give it color it's almost like you're following a jigsaw or a little lego model so mm. you have my key and then you're not quite sure what the colors are going to be because it all depends on the word they choose all right so that and, you, and then i did an adult class mature adult class um last week with 30 mature adults and they really were focused, you know, they were like having a cup of tea and coffee and their cake. But when they when they got their dots, they were really paying attention, like, you know, as if they were doing a jigsaw. And I think that's that's the way the brain works. If you're learning something new, like a Sudoku puzzle, you know, mm. it, it, it releases, must release an endorphin in your brain. And obviously that helps you be excited and, and quizzical about it. That is so exciting. I love it. So... Can you, are you, I guess there's so much I want to ask you. I know we have short time here, but what is, so I know that you recently went on tour and that was, and I know when last time we spoke, I guess it was several months ago and you were going on your very first art tour, just you, not with another artist, but yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so I had my first solo braille exhibition called Decoding Braille, Decoding Me. And it was about, the color-coded theory that I created, it took me, it was an 18-month project. 
500 hours to create 26 canvases. Each canvas was the same colour as the letter to begin with. And decoding me, so I chose 26 words that describe my practice. So A was amplify, B was braille, obviously. C was coding. Uh, obviously, the harder letters, so X was my favourite. So X was Zenigugu, or Zenigogo, <laughs> how you want to pronounce it. And it means to guide a stranger. So wow. I'm guiding you through Braille. And I love that word. Uh, I never great. knew that. I'm going to add that to my vocabulary. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> because uh, xenophobia is a fear of strangers. So Xenagogo is to guide a stranger. That is awesome. <laughs> You're so fun to talk to, Clark. Keep going. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, so, uh, so and that was amazing. And, and what made it for me was people came and without realizing, so I set up the chairs in the middle because I wanted it to be for them to sit down and take it all in. And a couple of people, they took their notepads out. They, they stayed there for about 40 minutes because once they did decoded one art piece, they got the buzz and it was like, oh, I'm going to decode another one. And that was, that's the beauty of my art. It's not like, oh, that's pretty, just walk, walk away from it. You want to spend time looking at my art. And, and the blind people that came, I had my blind friend, she's an artist from London, and she, she was there with her daughter, and her daughter did, decoded it through sight, through the key, and she decoded it through touch, and she spent three hours decoding my whole exhibition. And at the end, her and her daughter trying to race who could decode it quicker, through touch or through sight, which is amazing. It is awesome. I'm hearing a lot of collaboration, that Braille is bringing collaboration. And Lewis Braille, my gosh, he is like your modern day programmer. If you think about it, like he would have been, we, we, John and I had a conversation with one of our guests talking about this. It's just to get in his mind is coming up with this. It's just brilliant. And what you're doing is brilliant, Clark. Yeah. I'm trying to bring Braille into 21st century because it, it, I just found out a horrible stat in this country. I don't think like 3% of blind people in the UK actually know Braille. Isn't that awful? You know, if we don't if we don't start using it and using it correctly, i.e. male and female toilets, a big M or big F, the braille dot doesn't have to be so small. It's like reading, like skim reading. You don't read the whole thing. So with braille, you just need certain, you don't need an essay, you just need certain words. So when you go and pass it with your hand, you just brush across it, you go, oh, oh, that's male, oh, that's female toilet. That's all you need. But then use colour. So it kind of, it's not an afterthought. So you team up with a, a big brand a hotel chain and you use their colors so it becomes part of the building not just an afterthought right and, and you know and then if it was more around otherwise we're gonna we're gonna lose it we're gonna lose it to technology you know technology is great for blind people don't get me mm -hmm. wrong but technology can fail you know and if people aren't gonna use it we're gonna lose it right and i was going to ask you about where you would like to see Braille go. And I completely agree with you. And then one of the things I can say is, you know, with Braille, when, especially when it comes to, you know, like speaking or even reading, just having those paper in your hands. I mean, people, we are going into an age, even technology is going, but I agree with you. It's, it's, we need, there's so many even ways that Braille is so critical in our technology too. Yeah. No, but yeah. you bring a whole different spirit. But I, I really want to go back and like right before we go to have questions because we're already there. But one <laughs> thing that I wanted to add was I loved what you said about, you know, having the colors of the hotel because then it's not an afterthought because you are bringing inclusion to the forefront. It seems to be like inclusion. People think of it 
afterwards or don't think of it at all. I love how you're bringing that to light. If you could tell anybody right now, tell our audience, like if they're coming to design something and new, whether it's technology, whether it's a building, whether it's this, what would you, what advice would you give them as far as building in that element of inclusion? Well, obviously people think, obviously uh, most people when they build a building, they always think of the wheelchair access, which is great. You know, that that's law, that's legislation. It's got to be a certain width, you know, but everyone loves to touch. I mean, pre-COVID, you know, you know, COVID, we weren't allowed to touch anything, but I think people are going to start missing that contact. And what a great way, what a great legacy mm-hmm. after COVID that we start to put more, not just braille, but tactile elements into our buildings, right. you know, especially hospitals. Hospitals are the worst, you know, and, and yeah. the idea of you could feel on the ground that, oh, this way to paediatrics or this way to gynecology or, or this way to the, to the cancer unit. But what if there's a tactile pavement that... Literally, you you know that you can feel, think, oh, hang on a minute. So you're not going to get lost because sighted people get lost in the hospital. But yes. if you know that, you know that like that certain texture on the wall or on the floor is part of that uh, line that takes you somewhere, then that'd be a great, I mean, the hospital would be the, a new hospital would be the best, best place to explore tactility in, in a, an inclusive society. And so true. And you're building in like, hey, you know, take the green um, hallway to that has the bumps or, you know, and like, or the triangle pattern. Yeah, it would totally, people do get lost. I mean, I'm blind, but prior to losing my eyesight, I got, I had a very hard time finding my way out of paper bag. So (laughs) that would have been great for me for sure. Clark, thank you so very much. I'm so excited. We have our fun and fabulous John Mackin, who is our manager of PR or PR manager at AFB. I always do this, John, I'm sorry. But he is fantastic. And what do you think this conversation, John? Oh, it was fabulous. It's nice, you know, because um, so much of what we do, uh, you know, when, when we do these, Clark, a lot of, we, we try to time them to things sometimes. And we just did a whole bunch of employment focused ones uh, to, to gear up for uh, October, which is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. But, you know, it, it was nice to take a right hand turn and just talk about art for 20 minutes, half hour. So I, I, I very much enjoyed it. And I do have some questions for you. And I chose this first one because I think it's such a fantastic question to ask an artist. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, <laughs> Clark, what do people misunderstand about you the most? The misunderstanding is the blindness. So misunderstanding, so if, I mean, people think if you're blind, you see nothing at all, complete darkness. So they wonder what, how I'm doing, what I'm doing, working in color uh, and things like that. Well, I say have a memory. You know, um, so the other day I lost the ability to see pink. It was weird. I was working and, and I saw it a couple of weeks ago and I knew what pink was and I lost the ability to see pink. And I was like, oh, that's really strange. So it, for me, it's about the changing people's misconception of what blindness is through my art, not just because I use Braille, but because of the nature that I use colour um, and, and yeah, I grid out my work. And I, I say it was all about memory and I've done art for 25 years I mean I may look look 40 right I, I feel like I'm 16 years old but it, it's <laughs> it's all down to memory really well stated let's see uh Clark tell me about three tell me about the three most influential people in your life and how they impacted you oh that's that's the most amazing question ever oh <laughs> so so for me now 
it, there's one person without a doubt, and that's a guy called Steve Buggle. Um, he's a di the director of Yellow Edge Gallery. Uh, two years ago, um, literally to the day, he saw the interview I did at, on BBC, and he said to me, he turned around and contacted me and said, would you like an exhibition? Uh, and from that moment, I've not looked back since. And he's now taking me under his wing and anything I need with um, regards to uh, working with other galleries and stuff. And he said he'll support me in any way. So for me, he has been a big person in my life. Um, the other people, um, I suppose an artist, Saru. Um, from a early age, I was a big fan of pointillism. Uh, I wish you pointillism in any medium, um, the build-up of dots and layers of dots. So, um, Saru is the is an artist that I really love, and a great way kind of to to what I'm doing in my art now, which is fantastic. Um, and then the third person, I'm not close to my family, so it's no family members. Um, oh, I suppose at the moment, I suppose if I had to say something now, it would be everyone, It would be the connections I've made through. The, in the States. So I would conclude everyone in the States. So you've got Kristen, you've got Scott, you've got B Fox, you've got Michelle, you've got yourself, Melody. Um, without a doubt, you've really embraced me. These last couple of years um, have been a whirlwind of a journey. And it's, and it, like I said, I, I truly bow down to you in the States for taking me on this journey with you. Oh, you. I like that. The last, the last answer was a category. I like that. <laughs> Yes, I loved it. <laughs> well done, uh, Clark. If you, if you could have a if you could have a cup of coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose? Louis Braille. It has to be, doesn't it? It has <laughs> yeah. to be because because how would he? You know, because it, when he designed it, obviously designed it as I think it's like fifteen or eighteen dots, and it obviously was used as a code for the Napoleonic Wars. But how would he? Would he like my what I'm doing? Or he turned in his grave. Yeah, so Louis Brown would be <laughs> would be the perfect person to talk to. Melody and I are also laughing because we we occasionally ask the same questions to different guests, and uh, our our friend and former colleague Paul Schrader had the same answer. Yes, fascinating. Yes, he called him the you know the mad programmer, <laughs> and also too what I loved about it too is like you know. How did he come up with that? Just like, hey, and hey, by the way, we're going to use this, you know, like it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. No, I like that answer. And I think he'd love it, especially the color theory to it. Yeah, we're going to we're, we're going to direct Paul to this episode so that he can he can meet a, a fellow. Oh, yes. Real fan. Yes. Uh, Clark, here's another one. Um, <clears throat> Over your career as an artist, what do you think is the most important lesson you've learned? Mm. Oh, that, that's really easy. So, uh, tenaciousness, never give up. N never. I mean, even when I had sight, uh, I got my degree. I must have spent sent out four hundred CVs. You always, you know, you always get knockbacks, knockbacks, knockbacks. You know, I've worked hard to get where I am today. You know, regardless of the sight loss, you know, I, I'm the busiest artist working in Portsmouth and anyone would tell you that I but I don't see it as a chore. You know, I love it. You know, if I woke up in a day and I started doing my art and I thought, oh, my God, I don't really want to do this, then I probably would give it up because it, 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 it's it's all I've always wanted to do it. You know, so it, it, it's not like a nine to five job. And um, so, yeah, so never give up. That That's key. 
That is such a good response. I like it. So do you, we have time for one more, John? Okay. We, we do have one that we typically use as the closer. And uh, I'm dying to hear your response to this one. Uh, name three books that you would recommend to our audience. Oh, you can't do that to me. I mean, I mean, I'm one of these readers when I had sight, I used to have five books on the go and now I've got audio. <laughs> now, now, now I've got audio, I'm doing exactly the same. I love listening to about a couple chapters of each book and I go on to something else. Oh my God. Um, That's not oh. easy. Well, hey, it's maybe. It's not easy at all. I mean, when, well, I, I tell you, when I was sighted and I read, I did really enjoy the Born Ultimatum books. Um, I, re I think they were great. The Born Identity, Born Ultimatum. And the Born oh, yeah, Supremacy, the I think they were... Jason Bourne, oh, yes. They were really engrossing. And now with audio, it all depends on the... Um, the, the narrator. Person, obviously, yeah, so Stephen Fry is, is, is God, isn't he? So so it has to be the Harry Potter uh, books and the Discworld novels, which he narrates. I mean, Discworld novels are great anyway. They're so oh, yes. out there, like myself. So I would, I would suggest <laughs> them, yeah. I love a fellow Harry Potter fan. <laughs> those books are awesome and the narrator is amazing <laughs> i mean the, the narrator can make or break an audiobook I think. Oh, oh yes oh my god oh so the worst narrator right is david tennant <laughs> oh my god that guy will put you to sleep within 10 minutes it's so monotonal i i mean oh my god so yeah <laughs> We're going to turn this into a critique of narrators. <laughs> <laughs> Let's quit while we're ahead. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Clark, uh, 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 tell us your social media handles and website so we can share with our audience. Yeah, so my uh, my website is uh, .com, uh and it's also linked into my Instagram account, which is under the blind.brow.artist. I love it. And I thank you so much for being here. Your enthusiasm is incredibly infectious. I love how you're spreading color, joy, and education all through the world. And you're just doing it. And I just watching you, the, even in this past year, just blossom. It is amazing. And it's just such a joy to be here with you today. Thank you so much for spending time with us, Clark. Oh, no, oh, thank you. It's, uh, I, I, I can't wait to listen to it back. You know, that's the enjoyment, isn't it? And, yes. and, the, res and the response, you know, people do contact me and say, oh, we heard you on so-and-so. So that's really nice. Oh, God, I'm glad. Well, it was I our guess pleasure. The, yes, and I will be uh, contacting you soon to maybe get a piece of art myself for our new house. So I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us today with Clark and with John. And to learn more about the American Foundation for the Blind and our programs, please visit afb.org. And we thank you so much for being here with us today and have a great one. Bye, everybody.